This week on How to Succeed in Evil, I inadvertently blindside Chris Jackson. First question. Who's your favorite villain? Oh, geez. Um... But not to fear. He is a super sharp guy and recovered very quickly. We had a wonderful conversation about Vader, pirates, and propaganda. Some men just want to watch the world burn. This is how to succeed in evil. You need people like me so you can point your fingers and say that's the bad guy. Just want to watch the world burn. An ongoing exploration of what makes bad guys good. Who, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And I'm Patrick E. McLean. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world it didn't exist. I like villains with with legitimate motives. I don't like the bad guy who's just the bad guy. A lot of the a lot of the um, pulp villains and um, what would you, what would you call it um, comic book villains um, kind of fall short for me. I want a villain with purpose. I want somebody who, if it's greed, great. If it's uh, avarice if it's control freak but uh, i just want to create havoc for havoc's sake that's really not my style of villain um boy let me think um my favorite villain a favorite villain a favorite villain um you know uh, this is really cliche but i i, I really kind of like darth vader um and and there's one line in in um, Empire Strikes Back, I think it was, that really kind of lynched it for me. Um, think about the line, we will bring order to the universe. So, I mean, it, to break it down into, into role-playing game terms, this is somebody who's very lawful evil, right? He just wants order. He wants absolute control, absolutely. And he's willing to do anything to get it. So that that kind of a villain, I, I can I can see their motivation, um, and you can see those in real life all the time. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. You you have a you have a science background or an engineering background? I can't remember which one. I have a science background. S- science background. So here's a, it, it, it's interesting that that you point that out, and it's not like saying Darth Vader is kind of obvious, but he's such a great villain. But what's really interesting in these discussions is why somebody. Uh, is attracted to these villains, and that's that's a very interesting observation. And everybody is different, so I will I will um, I'm going to give you this fact and and let you let you react to it. Um, I had to think about it for a couple of weeks after I learned it. But the what do you think the unifying theme, the most unifying, like if you were to profile terrorists, what do you think that the 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 thing that would profile them the best would be? Um, at, well, it depends on what type of terrorist you're talking about. Um, there are cyber terrorists, there are um, bomber terrorists, there are suicide bomber terrorists. But ideologically, you know, people ideologically, who are really ideological uh, extremists. Unfortunately, religion, uh, it, it's, it's become boiled down to a, a religious fervor. And, I thought um, so, too. And, and um, 
and I find that unfortunate. And and I thought so too. And there's you know there's there's a religious component to it, but really, uh, depending the thing that ties a lot of terrorists together is their engineers. Um. So they yeah, have this. You, so you they don't have this see- idea that they must bring order, that they know the right way, and they must bring the order to the galaxy. Yeah, um, for for sure. I, I know a lot of engineers, and they tend to be very structured people. Um, and so that that paints an interesting picture. If you if you take somebody who has that penchant for order and control, and and slide a um, how do you want to put it a all-encompassing um, ideology behind that, i.e. religion, you, you can generate a very dangerous person. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's the spark, which is I've figured out this system in my head. <laughs> and, well, I mean, engineering is, is, is manifestly a discipline where there's a, there's a right and a wrong answer. You can know whether the bridge is going to stand up, right? It's different right. than doing research. And right. Well, yeah, they they know right. Engineering is a little bit deeper than that. I mean, they always over-engineer things, but um, you know, for abuse and 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 other circumstances, but you know, you mentioned what my background was with scientists. And one trope that I that I always have problems with is the evil mad scientist. What why is that? Um I I historically, if you look at advances in science it's not the science or the scientist that that has made the invention evil or has evil goals it's somebody who takes the invention oppenheimer's invention and does evil with it yeah yeah i i i can see that i think that um uh i think that after this next bit we're either going to be friends or we won't so i'm sorry (laughs) if i offend you but there, there is a tremendous, I find, uh, with scientists and Oppenheimer and the people who worked on the Manhattan Project are the great, uh, are the really great case for that. Even down to like that movie, uh, Real Genius, where they're, they're, they're so childlike in a certain way and naive that they can't understand the moral implications sometimes of what they're doing. What do you mean you could, right. you, you could weaponize this technology? Yeah. Well, it's discovery for discovery's sake and then... And then, you know, there's, there was, once again, a great line in uh, Jurassic Park. You were so um, excited about the fact that you could, you didn't think about whether or not you should oh, yeah. discover this thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, I could see that in science. I mean, somebody thinks up um, nanotechnology or a, or a virus technology or something like that that could be weaponized, not really thinking of those, of those implications. And... And but you know there is the guy out there or girl out there who who will always think about well you know that'd be a great weapon if I just twist this or that. You 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 could aerosolize anthrax. You could do that. Oh yeah. sure yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's it, that that's a very that's a very interesting observation about the about the evil scientist. No no one has said that, and I haven't really thought about it in that way. But if I was a scientist, I probably would either embrace that trope just for the comedy of it being a scientist or or have your reaction i can really well, see that well yeah i mean the, the typical i mean the archetypical um comic look at mad scientists was uh, dr evil um 
Oh, uh, that I can't remember with Nathan Fillion and um, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, Doctor Horrible Sing Along. Doctor Horrible yeah. Sing Along. That was just classic. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that's your archetypical humorous look at the the quote mad scientist. Hmm. So, um, favorite uh, favorite evil scheme. Um, in fiction. Well, it can be either one. It could be both. Let's. I don't know whether you would call it a favorite because I, I the most horrible um, evil scheme. I mean, you can take your pick. It's happening all over the world right now. Um, anytime you, anytime a villain, and you can use that term broadly, gets enough fervor. Um, that can be religious in nature, ideological in nature, um, you name it. And we see them in the United States right now. Um, behind their goals, they use propaganda to, to um, how do you want to put it, um, take the logic out of the equation and make it an emotional, a spiritual, um, a, a bigger issue. So... Don't confuse me with facts anymore. That's that's the scariest scenario. As soon as you get a group of people behind you who no longer can be swayed by facts, and um, I mean we see that as terrorists, and we see that in things like Star Wars and Star Trek, where where you have the group of people who are all about the ends, not the means. Yeah, there is something that sadly is the human condition about that right you know we it is so hard first of all it's really hard um to come to terms with anybody on any difficult subject i was having this discussion with one of the smartest people i know and there was a thing that we had a disagreement on and neither of us were particularly concerned about it and i thought that was interesting and i i think the reason was that uh we knew that if we had enough time we were both reasonable people and we could come to terms. You know what I mean? We could figure out what the controlling issue was. We could, and we could agree on right. that. We, right. We, the 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 amount. There's two things. The the amount of truly reasonable people in the world, I think, is kind of small, and probably people who are reasonable about reasonable about one subject can be totally unreasonable about another subject. And the second thing is, who has the time to be decidedly reasonable about everything? The the, uh, the the point I see about that is, and you said who has the time, is to be to make really truly informed decisions about about so many of these really difficult subjects. It takes a lot of time to be informed. Yeah, but and and the the kicker there is there's so much disinformation out there that is you know once again propaganda that can can lead you down the wrong path. I mean, stupid people aren't aren't the ones that are being swayed into these things. They're all these all the people that who are terrorists are not stupid. They're just convinced that they're right. People don't get up in the morning and say, "I'm going to be evil today." No, they get up in the morning and and they are convinced that the actions that they are performing are right and true and good and necessary 
and necessary and, that and the ends they they wish to achieve justify the means and that this this choice that this is the fascinating thing for me as a as a as an author that the choice that they are making is absolutely the best choice they can make right now right so what does someone's life have to be like for them to wake up and go you know today the best thing i can do is blow myself up in this market well, that, that's what they've been convinced is the, is the most righteous thing they can do, that they will be revo- rewarded in, quote, quote, heaven. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I don't think that I or you or anybody is dramatically, we don't come with any dramatically different firmware. You know what I mean? Uh, we're, we're the same kind of thing. So if someone else can get that, that confused then I can be that confused too. What must their mind be like? Right. Well, you're talking about nature versus nurture, and you're, you're suggesting the argument that we're all basically the same to begin with. And, and I kind of agree with that. I think there are certain, certain types of um, psyches that are more easily swayed um, and more easily seduced by, by these certain things. I think... You know, training people to, to think critically and to to truly look for end causes and 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 um, look deeper than the surface than the propaganda. Um, yeah, I don't know if you ever um, wh- when you went through school, did you get courses in propaganda? How to recognize propaganda? Dude, I worked in marketing for twenty years. There, there you go. Marketing is propaganda. Yeah. So, um, so there, yeah. There's, it, it's. Um, it's in it's endemic for a couple of reasons. One, they don't teach critical thinking anymore. But two, uh, and I don't know why this happened. About somewhere around the '60s, maybe a little bit before, they stopped teaching uh, rhetoric, which is the understanding and analysis of persuasive speech or writing. Right. And they they don't they so there's plenty of literature departments, which I find to be. Um, it's not that literature is not a worthwhile study or anything. It's just not very useful to someone. Uh, and it doesn't, it, it disempowers you if you can't think critically about messages and form them on your own, right? Right. So the, I don't know whether you've ever um, heard this, but the Greeks had, had three, they said that any persuasive message has three components. So it was uh, logos, ethos, and pathos. So logos, logic, ethos is the, uh, roughly, it's the authority or the standing that you have to give this message, and pathos is the emotion. Right. So they thought that logic was the best way to make a message, but it, it's like um, it's there's a lot of subjects that that are very difficult for people to comprehend if they see one case that's the other way, right? So it's but this one poor child is suffering. Um, if right. you show the footage of this one case, or think of this one situation where. Um, you know, where this, this awful thing happened because of this policy or because this is allowed or because whatever. So it, um, and it just becomes an emotional appeal. Basically, I think, I think what you're saying is, is kind of what I was going to say is I, I technically disagree with, um, the idea that the logical argument is the best way to convince somebody, um, Mo- the most likely or way sorry, the best argument somebody is the best argument yeah. now it's the most it's the most sound soundly foundation based argument 
It's the it's the least shakable argument. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was trying to say. Right, but the the most likely to succeed argument is the pathos argument. Yeah, pathos I, argument. It's the emotional argument. Just exactly what you said. You show them the picture of the starving child, or the or the the lion that's been shot, or or you know the victim of gun violence, or you know you name it. Uh, yeah, and and f- here's a here's a great example with uh, gun violence, right? Uh, there are people who want to hear that um, guns are dangerous and would be banned and that would solve the problem. And then there are people who want to hear that um, the more regulation you have of guns in, a, in an area or prohibition, uh, the more gun violence there is. And the thing is that you can find both situations. You can find places with very strict gun laws that have very little gun violence. And then you have Chicago, uh, where guns are, it's very difficult to get a gun. And there's a murder every 2.8 hours. Yeah. And both things are so it, it's not that it's not that simple, right? It, which is which is one. I guess that goes back to the time thing. Like you, uh, you can't. Um, we just don't have enough time to figure everything out individually. Well, well you can. Um, a good statistician can always find data to back their argument. And and you know you can you can like I said. If you look in certain areas, that data backs this side of the argument. If you look in different areas, that data backs the other side of the argument. Um, so, yeah. And that's why – that's, and unfortunately, that is another reason why the emotional argument is more persuasive in situations like that. Is The data can be confusing. Well, there's lies, damn lies right. and statistics. Right. Yes. So exactly. I, I have a background in economics, and uh, yeah. you just—I don't know—I uh, I didn't really feel like working for a bank or working for the government, so I right. didn't really go into that. But it's sort of my secret family style. You know, I've, I've got good background, and I actually really like the subject. I just didn't really like anything that I could do with it. So you're not going to fool me with numbers. I mean, right. may, maybe, but you're not going to scare me off just by the fact that there's data involved. Uh, not right out of the gate, and most people just kind of glaze over. But the, right. you're, you're. I've seen so many times where, uh, you know, a company doing focus group research or you know product research, and you just start digging. I mean, not even digging, just sort sort of scratch into their methodology a little bit. Right. And, oh you know, yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, come on, this is nonsense. As a scientist, I look at experimental design. I'll, I'll look at um, studies. Well, this study found that, and if you look at their experimental design. Honestly, nine times out of ten, you know these are these are poorly designed experiments, um, and uh, and the data is just blatantly skewed. Like if you got a focus group together of forty-five-year-old men and you asked yeah. them if they ever had a problem getting it up, you would find that there was no market for Viagra. Because <laughs> nobody in a group setting would be like, they'd be like, oh, that happened to me once, or I had a buddy. What? Uh, so I've, I know about the Weapon of Flesh series. Sure. What, uh, what, would you like to, what would you like to talk about and, and share with the listeners of this fine podcast? Oh, man. Um, yeah, there's a really good villain right there. Um, my villain in, that, in the first of those books was, uh, it was... His motivation was control. Once again, he wanted the perfect weapon. He wanted a weapon that he could point a fire-and-forget missile that he could point in the right direction and disassociate himself with 
you know, with the actual crimes being committed. So um, that series started out, um, oh, an ungodly amount of time ago, five years ago, six years ago, and no longer than that. And finally, when it hit, um, when it hit Kindle, it took off, and we uh, created a series out of it. And so there's three books in the original trilogy, and then we're starting a second trilogy with Weapon of Fear that just recently came out. And so there'll be two more books in that trilogy, and maybe more. So that's one project I'm in involved in. Um, another project, I'm, I am writing uh, Pathfinder Tales for Paizo Publishing. Um, and my third one of those will come out in uh, January. That's, uh, those are nautical fantasy. Um, I am a sailor, so I do get writing. I have gotten into writing nautical fantasy, pirate stories, things like that. Yeah, are you on a boat right now? I am not on a boat right okay. now, but uh, my boat is waiting for me re to return. I'm staying at a friend's house in Tampa. Oh, so you live um, on a boat, though? Yes, yes. My wife oh. and I do live on a, on a boat. Yeah. Bravo. Well, you know, it, uh, it's like uh, taking your house on vacation wherever you go, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, like, uh, like a lot of people, I have, I have, I've dreamed about that. I don't know whether the reality would live up to it, but I have... I have uh, obligations and small child and lots of fun stuff going on in the real world so i don't know if that'll happen yep. anytime soon but well it it helps if you can do something that you can do anywhere and i found that writing i can pretty much do anywhere and so um and once you get once once again once you get out from under the debt that frees you up to a, do a lot of things that you couldn't do previously yeah, so debt debt is evil yes debt is evil uh um so um I'm working on that uh, series with Paizo, and I'm um, just ready to submit the fourth novel to them. Um, and I'm working with Privateer Press, another gaming, gaming company. Um, I have a novel contract in them with more pirate stories set in their Iron Kingdom's world, um, which is a fantasy world of kind of high fantasy steampunk on steroids. Um, and I'm noodling around with uh, Catalyst Game Labs, in Shadowrun, uh, which is a, a world I've been um, jonesing to, to work in for decades and finally have gotten the chance. So that probably will work into some more work there. And I have another novel coming out with the Ed Greenwood group. Ed Greenwood, if, you don't, if you've been living under a rock for the last 50 years, uh, created Forgotten Realms for, for TSR and Wizards of the Coast. And uh, he's one of the instrumental creative minds behind Dungeons and Dragons um, development. Um, has spun off and created his own uh, publishing uh, effort um, that is, he calls it a sensorium because it will involve not just writers, but writers and musicians and artists and artisans and other kinds of storytelling um, to create several different worlds. And I have one of the um, opening up novels being released in, in November, the second novel being released in his Helmaw universe, which is a um, contemporary fantasy universe. So that I'm very excited about that. All right. Um, what else is going on? So um, b before we go any farther, uh, sure. because you had me at Pirates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, if if I was to pick one book, like one pirate book that was just an introduction to your work in that realm, what what book would that be? Okay, the um, I write two two kinds of different pirate novels. Uh, one series I did for a Canadian small press is 
the more true to form pirates. These are these are more um, genuine empire building, conniving, backstabbing, um, spying bastards. Um, you know, real pirates, um, rather than the Disney Johnny Depp pirate, um, which is a little bit more towards what I'm doing with the uh, uh, Privateer Press and um, and Paizo uh, with the Pathfinder Tales. Um, you know, the good-hearted pirate. So uh, it depends on what kind of story you like. If you like a good rollicking tale with a good-hearted pirate, I would recommend the um, Pathfinder Tales uh Pirate's Honor and then Pirate's Promise are the two that are already out. And um, if you want a more gritty, um, you know, bad guy pirate um, with a good villain with a real agenda, um, which is to embargo trade and build an empire, I would suggest the uh, Scimitar Seas novels, starting with Scimitar Moon from Dragon Moon Press. Um, so, yeah, my pirates in those books are more realistic pirates, a little grittier. Right. Have you ever um, ever heard of a book called The Invisible Hook, The Hidden Economics of Pirates? Peter? No, Nelson? I haven't. Oh, it's a great book. It's a fun book. But uh, yeah. the economics is quite good. The um, Invisible Hook. I have to write that down. The Invisible Hook. Yeah. Yep. He's, uh, uh, he writes well about a difficult subject, uh, which is rare for books on economics. So <laughs> you might like it. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun. All right. Take care. All right.